0: Howdy-do, I'm James Backe, also known as the Temple Guy. Let's continue on down the pilgrim's path from kimi and visit number three of the Saigoku Kanon Pilgrimage in this episode of... Temple, Temple. Tales. Leaving kimi my friend Gavin and I trained into Wakayama City, and then east to Kokawadera, number three on the Saigoku Kanon Pilgrimage. It's a flat, pleasant walk from the station, and the temple stretches out along the titular Kokawa, or powder, or dusty, river. There was a town of that name there, too, but in 2005, it was merged with several others into Kinokawa City. It's big. Unlike Kimidera, it's unconfined by topography, and there are large spaces between quite a few of the buildings. The story is that a hunter, one Otomo no Kujiko, was tootling around in the area in 770 when he found a stream of light running through the forest and decided it would be a good place to build a hut. Next thing you know, a kid shows up and asks if he can stick around. Kujiko agrees. So the kid offers to carve a statue of the thousand-armed kanon in thanks, but he must not be disturbed. When Kujiko goes to check in on him a week later, the kid is gone, and the statue miraculously finished. So Kuchiko decides to put the statue in his hut. The moment he opened the doors and found the statue in place of the kid is considered the beginning of Kokawadera Temple. Kuchiko stopped slaughtering animals, and it's said that his descendants are still maintaining the temple after over 12 centuries. Some say this child was Kanon himself, or herself, but most stories say this was Donantaishi, Taishi, about whom I know nothing besides this story. But that's not all. Another legend says that a distraught mom had a sick daughter and prayed for help. A kid, the same one, showed up and directed the mom to the place where the temple now stands. The mom carried the little girl there, where she ate a lotus seed, and voila, she was cured. Ever since, the temple has been noted for curing sick children. I always look for the seed, sorry, in these stories. Whatever really happened, it clearly has to do with a sick child. Yet another story tells of a millionaire's daughter being cured, and that the millionaire's entire family became monks, though I suspect this may be the source of the mom and daughter story, and the millionaire's family sounds suspiciously like the descendants of the hunter. But let's not get lost in the details. Now, remember the warrior monks in Episode 074? The monks here were aligned with them, and this temple too, like the castle in Wakayama, was burned to the ground. And that's just one of the seven times it happened. Nothing here is older than the mid-18th century. As we continue to visit nearly 200 temples in Japan, the thorough walkthrough is likely to become a bit tedious. Instead, let me just hit a few highlights, things that stand out as especially fine at this temple. One of the temple's most often-cited features is the rock garden in front of the main hall, or hondo, which dates to 1720. And the rock garden is impressive. Usually appreciated for its beauty, it also has a more pragmatic function. It serves as a retaining wall for the earthen platform on which the huge hall sits. The temple has two large gates, each with four bays, two on the front, two on the rear. The first gate, or daimon, big gate, has figures in the front two bays only. The chumon, or central gate, is occupied on both sides, four figures in all. These are kings, or generals, and the three pairs are excellently executed. As mentioned, the kid in the first story I told you was believed to be Donan Taishi. The name simply means Master Little Boy, but some consider him a form of Kanon. And there stands on the property, next to the priest's house not far from the main gate, a beautiful small hall built in 1679 and dedicated to him, painted white with red trim, a color scheme reminiscent of Shinto shrines. This is just one of the many sub-temples and shrines we pass as we go through the property. Many temples feature a mound made up of carved stones two or three feet high. Some appear to be grave markers. Others may at some point have been on roadsides. My hunch is that these have been recovered from building sites, road widenings, excavations, and so on, and artistically and reverently arranged. Sacred salvage. This one is next to a pond to the left as one approaches the Chumon. A statue of the Amida or Amitabha Buddha sits in the Do or 1.8 Jô hall. It took some digging to discover these facts. One Jô is an ancient measure of about 3.03 meters or 303 centimeters. A shaku is 30.3 centimeters, about a foot. The shakuhachi bamboo flute that I learned to play in Japan is 1.8 shaku. Hachi means eight. So one Jô plus six, that's roku, shaku is 303 centimeters, plus 6 times 30.3 centimeters, or 484.8 centimeters, nearly 16 feet. And that's not the size of the hall, but the size of the Buddha. In fact, it's standard. The Jisho Online Japanese-English Dictionary gives us one definition of joroku, statue of Buddha measuring one jo and six shaku. How about that? This one dates to 1862. The hall, by the way, sits in front of a small graveyard. Over the main door of the main hall hangs a beautiful round wooden plaque depicting Kannon riding on a dragon rising up out of the waves. A common motif referencing a story in which she saved the Dragon King's third son, at that moment in the form of a snake, from being tormented by little boys, or another time when she sent her disciple to buy him from a fisherman who had caught him as a fish and was selling him at a great price. The shape and position of the plaque are reminiscent of the mirror hanging over the doors of Shinto shrines and in fact harks back to the practice of integrated Shinto and Buddhism discussed in episode 073. Many such hanging Buddhas, or kotobotoke, are made of bronze or copper discs hammered from the rear, but this one is a carved wood representation of the Senju Sengan Kanon, or thousand-armed, thousand-eyed Avalokiteshvara, able to see who needs help and to help them in a myriad of ways. Well, them's the highlights. This is a gorgeous, peaceful place, highly recommended as a respite from the hustle and the bustle. Until next time, may you and your loved ones and all sentient beings be well and happy. Adios, amigos. Hey, please, why don't you check out the newsletter which serves as the show notes for this episode, number 077, at templetales.substack.com. It has pictures and links, and at that address... You'll also find the archive with all of the newsletters. I think you're going to be happy that you did it. In the next episode, back to China's Putuoshan and the largest temple on that island, Puji Temple.